All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast, Iambic Podcast. Woo! All right. Yeah, there. There's a man right there. Where's, where's Rebecca? Mm. Okay, Auntie Vice is now here. We we got everybody here on this mic. Hi, everybody. My name is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Podcast, and we are doing a different kind of podcast today. We're doing real poetry. R E E L poetry, which is a music or movie review on the movie, the 2016 release Patterson. Patterson, which is a hardworking bus driver in Patterson, New Jersey, who follows the same routine every day and observes the observes the city and listens to fabrics of conversation by picking up and dropping off people. He writes a heartfelt um, poems in his notebooks, and walks his dog and drinks beer after his ship's over. Waiting for him at home is his wife, or his, his beloved wife, and champions of gifts of writing. That's what Patterson's about. It was directed by Jim um, Jarmus, J-A-R-M-U-S-C-H. It was a budget of $5 million, and it was nominated for a few, for, it wasn't nominated for a Grammy, but it was nominated for a Best Director Award and also got one for the Con Awards. But the main, the main star in that is Adam Driver, who everyone knows, if anything, he is Kylo Ren on Star Wars. And it's funny because Auntie Vice, who is one of, my, one of my hosts today, and my other host is Marvin Zeon. These two have been on my show, but I was going to say that Kylo Ren, when Auntie Vice saw him, uh, saw Adam Driver on um, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Live, she's wondering who the heck, why is the Patterson guy on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, we were actually talking about this earlier. Like, I am not hip to the new Star Wars. I watched the three good ones and stopped. It's okay. Uh, which were the, First, I have to ask the important question. Which were the three good ones? And it's not the prequels. No, it's um, the first Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. The only good Star Wars. The only that, good folks? Star Wars. You hear that? So basically, four, five, and six. I, I did exactly. I did not think I was a Star Wars nerd, and then years later, my nephew tried to show me um, Episode One, and fifteen minutes in, I had so many criticisms, and I was so upset, I had to walk away, and I refused to see any others. Okay, you know what? I feel I feel bad for saying that. The original series were the only good ones. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> it's sorry, true. Star Wars fans. You see no, the, the good ones. No, the then... prequel ones are still okay, but that's a conversation for another one. I can still argue for the prequels. Wow. But no, and that no, Sharon, you've heard of those conversations. Uh, I'm hearing them. I hear them. Yes. And I can still argue for the prequels. I can't argue for the new trilogy. It sucks. Kind of. Really? No, I take that back. The first two movies of the new trilogy were okay. The really? third, one, the third one was just. Last but there's no the poetry Jedi, in any of the them. Last Jedi was good to you. Yeah, I admire the bold choice. Okay, we'll talk about it another time. But <laughs> right here, we're going to talk about Patterson. Patterson. What y'all think about it? Let's go with Marvin. I thought it was great. I related to it. I mean, okay, no, it's a boring movie. <laughs> But I loved it. It's mundane. It's boring. And that's what my life is. And as also as a writer 
who works a nine to five are related with this so hard. I related with this so hard. The dog was even named after you. Oh my god, I love the, the dog. dog the dog was the character too. <laughs> like every moment the characters had, like the dog was a character in its own. I loved that. And I was like, this dog is me, man. <laughs> Not even because of the name, but it's just because like it just it barely said anything, but it had such a huge impact on every scene. Uh-huh. But no, I love this movie. I mean, like like Patterson, I too felt the monotony of my life and made big dreams and tried to like make something out of it and stared off wistfully wanting something more so I dug it. Huh. device, what do you think? I think they did a really good job of capturing what most people who want to be creative but don't want to take the leap into full-time creative work. Uh-huh. Um what they live, you know, you have your yeah. Kind of soul sucking job. Mm-hmm. You're nine to five. You find ways to squeeze in your art around it. And I like the way they contrasted the two characters because you have Patterson, the Adam, Adam Driver character, who is very focused on his poetry and works a lot about it, very quiet about it. Mm-hmm. And then his wife's character, Laura. Uh, Laura, or was it Laura, Laura. or Mia? It was Laura. Laura. L- Laura. Um, she flits from one creative project to the next mm. and never really focused and everything is her next mm-hmm. big dream. Um, you know, and she, she goes from baking to music to fabric work, you know, and she's kind of all over the place trying to figure out what her creative voice is and everything is the next big dream. And I liked the the contrast between the two characters, mm-hmm. the two mm-hmm. approaches to being creatives and kind of living on this working class income I also think they perfectly captured Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, you know what, what I loved about it? It wasn't one of the big cities, but it was right. a big enough city for a lot of people to relate to. But at the same time, it was still felt rural and working class enough mm-hmm. for a lot of people to love to. Like It just had amazing shots of the city where there were just these brick buildings right. that were this monotone color. So it like, mm-hmm. just perfectly emphasized what Patterson felt on his working days. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and like you'd it. see him on the bus and he'd be going past a 99 cent store and an HSBC bank. And mm-hmm. it's like, I know those blocks. In pa- it's- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, my ex lived in Jersey City, which is very much like Patterson, you know, and they have the little parks and everything. And they have a few big names that come from it. So people are like mm-hmm. really focused mm-hmm. on these few famous people that come from yeah. there. And Oh, when you're talking about the bar. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Well, and you have yeah, William no, Carlos Williams. I loved about that too. Like that could be said the same about any city though, mm-hmm. where right. you want to focus on like, the big names that come out of it where you wouldn't want to have that hometown pride just like here in Sacramento like I want to say like our local artists right. that we just have such pride in were mm-hmm. like Bill Harmonic, Hobo yeah. Johnson or even like an old school alternative band like the Deftones where right. we just love cake. exactly pink was yeah. it? Cake. Oh cake. cake cake I thought her pink. Yes but no no the, the least offensive band in history <laughs> Hey, but that's still something to be proud of. And like, I love how Doc completely captures that person who is just so ingrained in the city Mm -hmm. and prideful of all these big things that happen there. Mm. Well, I, 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 just like you, I did, I did think it drug, it drug out a lot of every day was, it was almost mundane and he always had like little things that happened to him. Like mm-hmm. the like the the gangsters that came up to him, telling him about they're gonna dog that dog napping. Your dog, what kind of dog is that? People are dog napping. You better watch out for your dog. Yet yeah. he still will go out to the bar and place his dog outside and still be able. I'm like, 
Um, I, yeah. I thought I actually thought that was going to add to the story, like he's going to lose his dog, or the dog's going to run away, mm-hmm. or something. You're right. Like this was such a melodramatic, slow movie. But again, this is why I related to it so much and why I loved it because this is just life. Mm. That, like we want these big things to happen. I recall like every time something big or at least something that I at least thought was going to be big, like you mentioned the mm-hmm. kidnapping or when, oh God, I love the cameo of Method Man. Uh-huh. Method Man was in this. <laughs> like he was just like, He was awesome. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But anytime Method Man is in there, I'm bound to have a good time. <laughs> But he hid behind it, and like I thought, mm-hmm. there was going to be this big conversation where he reaches like some kind of epiphany with right. Method Man, but nothing happened. It was just like, "Hey, He's, I like your work. Yeah. Okay, cool. You have a cute dog. That was it. That was life." <laughs> well, really, and I think was, that's really reflective of how most of it. Like, you know, if you watch me any type of media, the idea is that there's some the big epiphany, and you come into your own and everything. But it's not how most people work. It's these little tiny things that keep you going, moving yeah. forward. And when you've had a completely boring day, it's like that one little thing that stands out. Like, you know, his bus breaks down on a shift one day and all of a sudden that becomes his all consuming thing. Because when you're just going through the motions pretty much every day, all of a sudden it's like, you know, his whole thing is off because of one little shift and nothing bad happens or anything. It's just people. No, but I loved it because like how some people would love to like over exaggerate on things. He doesn't, Mm-hmm. everybody around him over his actress is the bus going to like turn into this big great fireball is there going to be an explosion mm-hmm. like i think three people asked him that like the kids the old the old ladies like twin the twins mm-hmm. and his wife mm-hmm. oh no no and the bad. guy Fourth, at the bar the yeah. doc doc yeah, yeah from the bar so four <laughs> people and i think that's not most people they we keep it waiting for these big moments mm-hmm. and most of us you only get a few of those in your life but most exactly it, it's yeah. the day-to-day and as somebody who you know writes all the time and creates all the time mm-hmm. there's not a big breakthrough most mm-hmm. of the time it's exactly like, eh. yeah you know and it's real anticlimactic when you finish a project mm-hmm. a lot of the time so can we just mention like now that you bring it up like waiting for things to happen i love how there are moments where like in the bar especially where like what in society and culture is predominantly known as like that place where you just kind of like drink away your worries. Mm-hmm. You see Doc who is so transfixed on these famous people and these dreams that are coming alive. Mm-hmm. And then Everett, the guy who's so in love, who is trying to get the quote unquote love mm-hmm. of his life to love him back. And how these are like mere reflections of what Patterson could be if he doesn't follow his dream. Like, mm-hmm. like you're talking about these big moments, but then you're looking at people who have, I don't want to, like, I think it's rude for me to say they lost their moments, but have lost a moment in their mm-hmm. life at them. Or they're time. so yeah. fixated on becoming, yeah, they're exactly. not present. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, it even translates to how the movie is when Patterson loses his notebook. And Everett, who's finally getting over that rejection, mm-hmm. sees the same dejected mm-hmm. look on Patterson that he had. That loss. Yeah. So I think that was a really big thing. Like, it was for a movie that's so small, not small, but slow mm-hmm. in its message, it's really methodical and thought out because they played Everett's scene like several times of right. him like lose, being rejected multiple times. Mm-hmm. And then when it's on the flip side, Everett immediately recognizes it with Patterson. Yeah, yeah. But did you? I mean, out of everything, him pulling out a gun, a BB gun, 
and actually acting like they were going to do something. That was the only thing that actually jolted everybody up. Like, oh, snap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people that, well, ran out But the even bar. that was anticlimactic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was an anticlimactic moment. Like, you were well, expecting some big things to happen. Like, I've counted at least maybe five times that I just kept expecting something big to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, well, this was so anticlimactic. <laughs> and with him, it's still, with the Everett character, it's like, well, yeah, he's an actor and he keeps looking for the big drama. Yeah. So he decides to create it himself, but it still falls flat, <laughs> which I, I love because it's like, okay, then I'm going to have this moment out of a movie. And then they're like, hmm. Gonna get what shot with a foam dart? Yeah, <laughs> but that I love was when he Doc shoot him in the foam. You know, I love it though because it was Doc who had a very climatic moment. Yeah, and he was the most mellow, mellow person in this movie. Like he used his wife's money for the salon oh, yeah. or beauty parlor yeah. to like pay for the chess championship yeah. because like he's mentioned so many times that he wanted to play jet. Like not mm-hmm. mentioned, but it's clear it's, that he in every scene he's in. Yeah. he's got chess. Yeah, and I love it too because like kind of back to like pulling back real quick to how i said like their reflection on patterson like he's in the beginning scene i love too he says oh man i'm getting my ass kicked and patterson's going who are you playing with he's like i'm playing myself in chess Uh dude that's literally him saying i'm kicking myself for not following what i wanted to do and that's a message to patterson Mm -hmm. indirectly subconsciously going if you don't follow what you want, you can wind up in my shoes where you're kicking yourself. Yeah, I can see that. So one of the hi- one of the highlight things on in the actual movie was the fact that he he that Patterson the character liked another poet named William Carlos Williams, who actually has a poem named Patterson because mm-hmm. he's actually from Patterson, New Jersey too. And he he basically has a fascination with William Carlos Williams and him living in Patterson kind of gave him that little like little nod, even though they pulled out the book and showed everything. Mm-hmm. And every time you can see a little pieces of, oh, he's, yeah, he's from Patterson, too. And little things like that. Did you see that as a um, any kind of effect in the movie or was it just one of those things that just just, that's just a, a bypass, just one of those byproducts in the whole movie? Did you see it as a, a thing or no? I saw it as what so many people who want to be creative do is you find somebody who's your inspiration and you feel mm-hmm. connected to for some reason. Mm. Totally. Um, there's, there's something about them that's similar to you so you really connect and try to develop their style and that's it's true in just about any creative field is you try to mimic somebody who's had a lot of success in your area first before you find your own voice. Um, I've watched the Chef's Table series on Netflix, which is all these one-hour documentaries on various famous chefs. And in the first three seasons, the whole storyline with every chef is, well, I wanted to follow this French master, or I wanted to do, you know, this master chef, so you develop a style like them, and you go to find it, and then they don't get their own recognition or become really good until they come back and find their own voice and their own style and bring it back. And I think that's kind of the creative journey. So you have Patterson here going, well, here's a, here's a poet from my city. I'm going to adopt his style because he writes similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be inspired by the same things he is and hasn't developed a huge part of his own voice, but it's part of the creative journey. Yeah, no, I agree with Beck on that. Like, I remember you even told me, too, when I started writing and wanted to find new ways to, like, express myself in certain mediums. You told me, find three specific artists that you like 
look into each of their works and find things that you really identify with and pull it into your own. I mean, I, this is no different from Patterson. Mm-hmm. I feel like for anyone who begins a creative process, th- like Becca said, you don't necessarily find your voice on your own until watching your specific inspiration or that one specific thing that you latch onto do it and find your own way to branch out from them. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the, in the movie, there were four poems. There was Lime, Pumpkin, uh, Matches, matches, and, and Time. Time. What do you think about those poems? I think for me, the one, just purely because of where I'm at with my life, the one I related to most with, at least, was where he's talking about time or dimensions. Mm-hmm. Where he's going as a child, you learn about dimensions in the shoebox. There are three dimensions, width, depth, and what was the other one? Width, depth, length. Yeah, and length. But then you notice there's a fourth dimension, time. Time. And I'm well into my adulthood. I'm not even in my early adulthood. I'm necessarily what is considered an adult at this point <laughs> quote unquote because i still act like a child sometimes thanks mom thanks dad you guys did well <laughs> but now that i'm a fully committed quote unquote adult like i said where i relate to patterson the character where i'm working a nine to five job where i try to find ways to express of my express myself creatively but understand that there are obligations that I must meet in my life to continue and survive outside of my own passion projects. Okay. I feel that relates so, or that one hit me really hard because he's going, but you understand time and how little of there is of it for mm. you as you are progressing through your life. Because as you get older, there are just so much you need to do, so much you need to take care of. As a child, what responsibilities do you have? What obligations do you have? You're you're just going to school for what seven to eight hours a day. Then you go home, maybe commit, maybe, and I'm using this maybe loosely because <laughs> the American education system sometimes sucks. But an hour or two tops, and then the rest of the night is yours. And then you get the whole weekend, and then you get breaks and all that. But then as an adult. All that time you were once afforded is now gone because you have all these things that you must do to make it through the day. And that one hit me really hard. And I don't think I took it into consideration. I would have taken it into consideration as well had it not been doing, I've been doing whatever I've been doing with my life as long as I've had. Hmm. How about you? Auntie Vice. Oh, uh, me? Yeah. Uh, the one that got me um, actually was this first one, Matches, when he was basically pointed out about how he got the, the observation of looking at Ohio blue tip matches and then explaining them that he used to like the diamond brand. And it was just, it was just the, the time of comment of taking a couple of days to get the, get the words he wanted just to say it. But he's also, it was even funnier because his, um, his wife was even even surprised about him too because she you know she was so impressed by him too by them seeing the blue tip there's a microphone on it and this and that and if they burst they burst and they will help you um light the first cigarette of your first lover and stuff like i was like oh okay i see where you're going with this that's, that's pretty that's pretty pretty interesting I like that that's, oh sorry but yeah no i think it was interesting how 
his wife mentioned that it was shaped like a megaphone, but yeah. his was more purely in a practical sense, whereas hers was a very strongly based on image. Right. What about you, Auntie Vice? I like the one you didn't mention, which is the one by the girl, Waterfalls. Oh. Because oh, I love yeah, the play on right. words okay. that she has in there. Um, and I actually thought it was a very elegant piece that they, they gave her to, to mm-hmm. read. Um, and it was just so simple. Um, but the the way she plays with the imagery and stuff in that, I really enjoyed that one. You know, I feel like it's not even just so simple, but it was a very powerful message mm-hmm. to Patterson specifically, because if you've noticed in the movie, all of his writing is, okay, not all of his writing, but a majority of his writing has been either at work Mm-hmm. or in front of the waterfall or whenever he's writing you see the scene slowly meld into mm-hmm. a waterfall which is I feel like is also an emphasis on him finding the freedom to write where it's all pouring out into the page and like mm-hmm. so it's it's definitely powerful to him that imagery of just nature and its raw power is yeah. very powerful I thought you were going to say the one about pumpkins Device. Why, why you, did I you remember think? you liked that line when you said how embarrassing. Yeah, I do like the way he lends that one. <laughs> it's just being embarrassed by your own level of love for somebody. And you don't hear that in love poetry much. You know, it's always mm-hmm. romancing the other person or, you know, yeah. exalting them or mm-hmm. whatever. And this was just, I'm so embarrassed I'm this in love with you. <laughs> but he's also a very reserved person. I mean, you're right. Mm-hmm. A lot of love poems are very much an upfront about this level of affection someone mm-hmm. has but for patterson he's a very reserved person mm-hmm. he's so quiet but his wife is just one of the most loving and supportive people i've mm-hmm. seen and i and this is what i also love about the movie like i said not only is it mundane but this is one of the most loving boring relationships i've uh-huh. ever seen on film but i love it for that it it's like an actual healthy relationship yeah, it's they're jointly supportive and- yeah it's not a grand gesture by any no, means like no. not all love needs to be a grand gesture it's just her nagging at him, him, and it's natural for people to sometimes forget about the little things in mm-hmm. the conversation, but he naturally forgets, but she's willing to forgive him for that because she understands that's like personality quirk from, and it's so refreshing to see. That's so well, adorable. Just little things, like she makes him lunch, but he keeps her photo in his lunchbox. It's oh, just yeah. this little, very sweet connection they have with Oh, each totally. Other. And, like, he wakes up before her, but he caresses, holds mm-hmm. her, and kisses her on the forehead. Or, like, how she makes him food that is literally looks like all of her paintings in that house. <laughs> Dude, <gonna> say. <laughs> her house is her. That house, <laughs> everything in this movie is a character. Her, that Even that house, which is mm-hmm. nonverbal, is a character in itself. From mm-hmm. the goddamn curtains to the bathroom. Even her outfit. Yeah. Yeah. It's all black and white with pattern, circular patterns or stripes and everything. Mm-hmm. It's her. It's her to, like, I don't want to say, like, she's supposed to be a homemaker or anything like that, but, like, it's very clear what her character is. Mm-hmm. She's an artist. Yeah. Well, and I love and that it's, it's, it's aspiration. She has all these dreams. She wants oh, to yeah. be this great baker, and then she makes that Brussels sprout and cheddar cheese. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I love it. drinking a glass of water favorite. with everybody. She's one of my favorite characters. She's one of my favorite characters because <laughs> I love it because... There's a lot of big dreams coming out of this mm-hmm. little house. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And just like there's a lot of big dreams coming out of this little city. And like, yeah. 
Oh my god, I loved it. And well, it just the mailbox knocked over everything. <laughs> oh my god, yes. When, <laughs> when you find out the dog's doing it, it's funny because it's like out of all the times you see the mailbox, I thought the mailman was coming around. Fuck yeah, Marvin, it. go for it. Yeah, you do you, Marvin. You <laughs> well, do and she thing. lets him out to do it, and then he has to go. It's, it's fucking just, great. But no, but like, and I. It's very sweet, though. But I, I love it because, and I've said this love a lot, a lot about this movie, but like. Like I said, though, like, I relate to it, and I love it because, as much as I hate to admit it, my life is a routine, and mm-hmm. I relate to it in the same way that Patterson's life is a routine, and any kind of deviation from that totally fucks with him. In the same way mm-hmm. that he left his notebook out, Marvin eats it. I mean, damn it, Marvin, I would not have <laughs> eaten my own notebook, but damn it, Marvin, the one time. <laughs> right. So speaking of which, what do you think about the conversations that he always overheard? Like the conversation where the guys were talking about the girls they're they're trying to get with, <laughs> or the conversation about the um the kids they're talking about the um the person that I think was a I think it was a anarchist yeah yeah and he's just overhearing these conversations and you think that you know these conversations would be part of his um his um uh, process but they didn't you know they didn't come into anything he he went into. I think that's just everyday life, man. Like, mm. It's well, just everyday life. They're all aspirational. You've got the two guys who have the conversation about all the girls they almost got with, but there's always an excuse <laughs> for not getting with them, yeah, which yeah. was hilarious. And, you know, you, you see the woman walk off the bus and just give them oh, the, the side oh, the, oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> she was brilliant. Yeah, girls are like that. Bitches are like that. And she just, like, looks at them. She's like, are, you, like, yeah, are that, you two that, knuckleheads, like, seriously like that? Like, she's like, all women aren't like that. And then if a real woman saw you... She wouldn't get with either of you. I love right. that look. That that was the kind of look I feel like most women would give guys if uh-huh. they heard that. Like, and it's just like, and I feel like that's just everyday life. Like, you hear something, and I feel with movies we expect something so dramatic, like, but it didn't happen, and it was just everyday life. And I think it speaks to Patterson. Mm-hmm. He, he just in the same way you as a normal person hear side conversations and Mm -hmm. they sound like a big deal it doesn't really affect you and that's this whole movie has just been about the life of a specific person and you expect it to make a big difference in his work but it doesn't but it's also every person in the film has something they want to be that they're not achieving right you have the teens talking about the anarchists that's right and identifying as an anarchist but these are like two clearly high school teenagers who haven't done college, much. College, like college. I think they were college students. Where they, yeah, that haven't done much, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the guys who are aspirational. You've got Everett who desperately wants this woman to love her, you know? And you've got Doc who wants, you can tell he's got this fantasy around chess. Like everybody has this thing that they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing little steps towards it, but they've never achieved it. How'd y'all feel about Donnie, his, um, his manager, his um, bus manager? Every time he comes um, he comes over to, to tell him to go on the bus. He asks what's going on. Next, you know, Donnie comes up with these ideas of what's going on with his mom, what's going on with his family. His general unhappiness. Yeah. <laughs> I love it because... And I, I, I might be looking too far into this, but like I feel like everybody in this movie who has a very serious connection to Patterson is a very real reflection of what his life could be if he doesn't pursue what he wants. Donnie is a little reflection a literal reflection if he doesn't follow his writing he's going to be as unhappy and cynical as donnie who patterson's just kind and wants to see how he's doing 
Donnie's like, whoa, you don't want to hear my problems, but I'll give it to you anyways. <laughs> and gives you like a hundred different issues. My wife wants to go to Florida, but I'm behind on my mortgage. My girl or my daughter has braces and wants to, and now she was, I have to pay for her violin lessons, which she's not very good at. God, that's just like my parents, man. <laughs> I think his uncle asked for money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then now my mother-in-law wants to live with me yeah. and my wife. Dude. This is literally, I feel like this could be what Patterson's life could be 10 years down along the road if he just does not follow what his wife wants. Who, again, must I must say, so loving and supportive, dude. You are lucky if you have a wife like that, a spouse like that, or a significant other like that who is just like pushing you. Dude, follow it. Don't be like Donnie. (laughs) (laughs) I look at Donnie as like pretty much every 45-year-old guy on Facebook. (laughs) It's just this litany of complaints they're posting. Oh, dude, like you throw in that and a few pic- a few quotes about whatever their favorite sports team is and a picture of beer every once in a while, it would be every forty five year old on Facebook. It was cracking me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the typical wine mom military sport loving dad mm-hmm. who just has no filter on social media. <laughs> I did forget about the kids that also were talking about. I think they were talking about like a video game or, or the boxer the who boxer. shot yeah, the, yeah. Bo- the Hurricane Carter. Yeah. So, so all in all, so out of the movie, and they also pointed out that um that Patterson was once a Marine. So I mm-hmm. think that was one of the reasons why he. he they just have a photo of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They don't directly mention it, but no, it's a photo. But here's a cool thing I think about it. It's mm-hmm. like you learn so much about Patterson not directly from him, mm-hmm. but. By his little actions and the things in his surroundings. Hmm. I think about that. Right. You you see the you you know he's a routine person right. because he has to put on his watch first, check or after checking the time. Right. Does something affectionate with his wife who is still sleeping, goes about his day, asks his boss once in a while how he's doing, gets <laughs> vented on, goes about his day, does work, goes back home, does the bar. And all that jazz while in the midst of trying to write. Mm-hmm. But you learn so much about him each and every day. Oh, I never thought that. You're right. You did learn one thing about him every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they went through the whole, I mean. They went through the, the whole, whole seven-day week. week, man. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the whole, whole seven-day week. <laughs> but this is the most quiet person I've ever seen, but learned the most about. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, would you say Adam Driver actually brought it to this movie or would it be more would it would you have seen another person do the same thing if it was if it was Okay, so someone else. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I think Adam Driver brought it. I mean, the role of Patterson is probably easy to fill. Mm. Pure just a quiet person, a quirky quiet person. He doesn't even have a smartphone and he walks to work all the time. <laughs> what kind of man in the 21st century does that? What man in 20, 2016 does that? But as quiet of a quirky person as the, the character is, I think M. Driver is a pretty phenomenal actor. Mm. And his ability to play into that character does give that character more depth. Mm-hmm. From his little subtle movements to his little actions that he does. Like when he goes to Marvin after Marvin ate his notebook, he goes, I don't like Thank you. you. <laughs> but you can tell he likes Marvin still mm-hmm. because his wife goes, I thought I, he was in the ground. She's like, well, I wanted to let him out. <laughs> Dude, he's just 
lashing out in a very small, passive, aggressive right. way because he clearly does. If he didn't like Marvin at that moment, Marvin wouldn't be chilling on that couch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Like you, like those little actions. Like it maybe is part of the script. Maybe it is, but it's just like I feel like Adam Driver gives a lot of depth to it. No, what do you think? Yeah, I think he really captured it. I mean, I don't think just anybody could play that role. Like mm-hmm. you couldn't have Andy Dick play that role. You couldn't play. <laughs> Christopher Walken in that role. Okay, but those are two extreme sides of it. Like, right, but, but I, there's some people who are the same. You couldn't even have Keanu Reeves in it because okay, Keanu yeah. has one expression and no depth. Mm-hmm. Like, but, I mean, he can be low-key, but true. it's more like he's stoned walking through most movies. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. I th- so I think Driver was able to... It's in those little tiny movements and mm-hmm. those subtle expressions that he was able to bring something really deep to the character but I don't think you could just cast anybody you're right you're right to be able to sit with that and be that type of quiet on screen and get something across Mm. like I think a lot of people you could have put in that role wouldn't be able to be that quiet you know what you're right and you know what I love the moment he's not quiet you know is ironically not with his wife who he's still quiet Mm -hmm. with but with the other put who's Japanese who speaks Okay, I don't want to say bad English, but accented language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. accented English with a very clear barrier, language barrier. Mm -hmm. But you see the motion, motion out of Patterson. And it's just pure joy after a moment of depression. Mm -hmm. And I love it the most because, like, he's asking the Japanese guy, Mm -hmm. Do you write? Can I? And he's not saying if I can see them, but he's going, do you write? What are they? Are they all yours? And he, the guy goes, "Yes, but they're all in Japanese, and they will never be in English." And I forget what the metaphor he used was. But it was, it was taking a shower with a raincoat on. There we go. Yeah, poetry yeah, yeah. and translation, which <laughs> yeah. I think is brilliant. Yeah, but that was like the most emotion that I've seen out of Patterson, and so genuine. I personally believed so genuine, where he just laughs, and you could actually. Feel that like he thought that was funny, mm-hmm. where he just completely connected with another person who was like-minded like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very beautiful moment. I even think the gift that was even that was even genuine. Was just, oh, yeah. totally, totally. Like, and then he go, like he turns around and goes, "Aha!" <laughs> like he's like, "You can't sweet. lie to me. You can't yeah. lie to another like-minded person." I was like, "I love that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I thought it was a great. Great ending, wrapping up of the the whole thing. Yeah, like I loved it because it was just even though something is destroyed, like you don't lose your passion. Maybe right. it just like stops for a moment, but you don't lose it. Ooh, that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a good one. But we're going to basically have a grade of this, so we're going to do a grading review of this, and the grade is going to go three snaps if you like it, and we'll recommend it. Two snaps, if you like it, but there's still some things they could have fixed on it. Or one snap, the movie was trash. All right, so we're going to go, we're going to do a, a, a run around and everyone give their um, grade and tell um, then we'll come back and then we'll do the um, reason why. So, Marvin, what do you give it? I give it two and a half snaps. Am I allowed to give half? You can give half. Yes, okay, half is good. Two and a half score or two and a half snaps. Uh, Antibodies? I would do three, but I would asterisk it with you have to be in the mood to watch a quiet movie. Yeah. 
Like if you if you're looking for a big action adventure thing and you put this on, you're going to be bored quickly. <laughs> I give it also two and I give it two and a half too. I mean, it is yes. You you really have to be in the mood to be in this movie because mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have a it doesn't have a conflict that's a stream. Everything in this thing is just an everyday moving. And yes, the more it's more the fact that the people himself will come around. But yeah, I give it to an F. It's very much an art house film. It's got oh, that yeah, feeling. I agree, with, I, I agree with that. Why don't you give it to an F? Exactly what you guys were saying. Like, mm. As someone who literally is going through Patterson's shoe, I would personally give it a three. Look, without a doubt. But even me looking through it in that lens. It's a very slow movie. There were some scenes I probably could have done without. But for the most part, I thought it was a very fantastic movie. Why'd you give it three? Just cause of the- I thought it was very well written. I thought all the elements in it added to the understanding of the film and all of that. But like I said, you have to be in the mood for it. Like if it was a night that I was looking for something silly or something, you know, exciting i wouldn't have sat through it i've seen it twice mm-hmm. um oh. yeah, yeah i saw i saw it when thing. it first started streaming um so i saw it a year or two ago when it came out on on amazon so it was like okay yeah i can i can be down for this tonight but it, it's not you know it's not an everyday movie yeah no, totally not like i no, I'm, I'm not in the same boat as you i watched the first time went like on the night that sir mentioned it then the second time day after because like i just i'm wanting to like take some notes on this right it's after knowing what i know it's a very long movie it's you feel the full two hours yeah no and like i said there's some scenes i probably i personally could have done without but yeah no it's still a good movie because well for despite those flaws i'm gonna throw an extra question do you feel the poetry moved the movie or was just a byproduct of the movie Meaning it really didn't make no, it didn't really collect clench to anything special. It just was a thing. Or you think it actually made the movie more interesting as it went on? Marvin. I think it's a narrative. I, I really do. I think it's a background narrator in its own way. The matches give you a very clear indication of what Patterson and his wife relationship looks like. Where he sees it in a more practical sense, she sees it as a grand gesture. Nothing wrong with how they each see their love, but that's a very clear indication of their affection for one another. He sees the dimension poem, how he sees his life with time. He has to work a presumably eight to five job, and he's trying to fit in whatever little time he has into his craft. He sees the waterfall in that little girl's poem, as how he sees his raw emotion being put into a page. I think it is a very big part of the movie, and without it, you just see a guy who's just passionate about a thing, but you don't get that level of understanding that he has. Well, and I think if you took the poetry out of it, you just saw him writing and stuff, but you didn't actually see or hear what he was writing, and you took that out, all you'd have to do is then put it in black and white and make everybody smoke, and you've got... <laughs> A very French film that you walk away totally, mad from because totally, nothing totally. happened for two hours. Oh, so yeah, I have ennui. Fuck the world. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> no, but totally no. I agree with you. Like it would be such a cop out. Yeah, be such like, a it, it would be one of those horrible, you know, art school films that they make when they're studying the French Nouveau period. <laughs> and <laughs> but you know, yes, the funny thing is, no one smoked in that movie, right? Oh, this was yes. He mentioned matches, and but you never see smoking. anybody smoking. But, Right. This is such a 2016 movie where like smoking this is Jersey is not- and nobody's smoking. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like at the East Coast, and he's like, "Dude, I'm sorry. What creative do you know that does not smoke? Smoking is cool, man. <laughs> smoking is cool." He goes cool. to a bar and nobody's standing outside smoking yeah, at a bar. Like, yeah, that that's wild. But yeah, so I think the poetry yeah. was absolutely necessary. Yeah, no, it's totally it. necessary. But again, like I said, no one smokes. And this is coming from a guy who's quit three years and like three years now. Wow. Smoking is cool, and you're telling me no creative in this fucking movie didn't smoke? Right. Bullshit. <laughs> None of the teens were vaping. I mean, really? Come on, guys. <laughs> I, I also think the, the 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 poetry did give it a little bit of a narrative. Um, I did also notice one thing that it seemed like Patterson was in a. I was. I would say. A black neighborhood? No, that's just Jersey working class. Oh, so it's just more working class. Yeah, that's Jersey working class right there. Because he he always went. Because it's just funny how he went to docks, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of a lot of his customers were black. But you know he didn't like go like some other spot where you know. No, from from being in Jersey and being on the East Coast, that's you know in Baltimore, New York, it's just kind of a working class neighborhood okay. in the Northeast. Because um, there are also no Hispanics, which is, it's one thing when you come from California and go out there, you're like, dude, what the fuck happened? That's and, true, yeah, because there's a lot of Puerto Ricans there, but there's yes. not a lot of like... Mexican, Guatemalan... Salvadorians and yeah. all that. Like, because it's purely locale. Like, you don't... Right. It's not bordering South America. Well, right. and when you do the reverse commute, like the first time I brought my wife, who had grown up just outside of D.C., and went to school in Baltimore and New York, when she first came out to Northern California, one of her first questions was, where are all the black people? I'm a little afraid that they've all gone somewhere and I haven't been tipped That's off. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. That's not, not funny wow. in that sense, right, but, but like, it's still funny. It was like, wow. there's there's something wrong here and, and what's unsafe going, because they're going to know way before I do. <laughs> so walking around California, she's like, not enough black people here. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> um, and that's from being raised in D.C. and Baltimore and stuff. Mm. So it's a very different racial mix in those yeah, areas yeah no, that, that totally makes sense mm-hmm. so speaking from you so from the last word so speaking from y'all's rates and stuff would you basically suggest this movie to somebody marvin and that's a loaded question <laughs> all right how much do i like him <laughs> uh, yeah no okay i would recommend this to a person who's in my where they feel the heavy burden of social obligations mm-hmm. but have this dream of being more than just that run-of-the-mill person because to be a creative like it takes a lot like you right. literally have to put yourself out there and people will see you as quirky it requires a lot and if like i ever want to recommend a movie to a person to like follow a very sp- specific passion this would be the movie i would recommend to them I'm not going to recommend this to my run-of-the-mill friend and go like, you'll like this movie because they're not going to understand it to this visceral level that I do. Okay, would you recommend it to a poet? Oh, totally. Oh, really? Same question with you. Would you recommend to a non-poet and then also to a poet? I think most poets 
sure. Um, and and people who are into kind of the art house film, alternative mm-hmm. media type of stuff, um, would I recommend it to my mom? No, but I. Re- <laughs> <laughs> she she she's the the John Wick, Jason Bourne. That's what needs yeah. to. Be. She found Wonder Woman slow, so <laughs> yeah, wow, like you Wonder you Woman. you have to like be counterculture. Yeah, um, like you, it, it, it's almost part of the curriculum for you to be counterculture to enjoy this. Yeah, I would my my nephew who is all superhero movies. Yes. Jeremiah, uh, yeah, he's he's nineteen. It's it's superhero everything. No, he's not going to care for this. Mm. Um, but but the artists or just a mostly, little bit. But you know, okay. it's gaming and superheroes. And I mean, this, you, nobody's blowing up. Nobody's getting an arm cut <laughs> off. Yeah, no, I feel like to like this movie, you have to be outside of the culture, current cultural zeitgeist mm-hmm. to really enjoy this. Because kind of like Becca said. You, I don't want to say this to be weird, but kind of liking superhero movies to a very specific degree sometimes preclude, precludes you from liking a very in-depth piece of work. It's what you're looking right. like you're, you're for lo- a film. Yeah, like I'm sorry, but loving Marvel movies or comic book movies or nerd shit now is the equivalent of loving. 80s action movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to knock you for that, but if you love this specific film where it's fast-paced and kind of just gives you the fat and all, you're not going to like this where it takes its time. Okay. I, I, I would probably not tell too many non-poets because of, just like as y'all pointed out, it, it, it doesn't have the drama is not extreme, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, if they're not, as you point, as Auntie Vice pointed out, if you're not in the mood to see something like this, it'll probably bore you, you fall asleep, and you mm-hmm. or you'll probably move on to the next one. Um, poets, I could see a few poets, um, more into the somewhat the modern, the modern modernism poetry, maybe some of the beatnik stuff. Yeah, they can see this as a more of a working class thing. Uh, a lot of the classical poets who like you know Shakespeare and stuff, I don't think they'll really want to. I think they'll look at this like this guy's he's not really interesting. It's, it's almost like it's almost like a person who likes jazz. They they kind of have this whole hierarchy of how this ain't this is not music and stuff. And I think they'll kind of look at this guy as just a a pass uh, a, a novice poet and nothing really special to look at. So, I, I, but I would suggest it to some poets just to get that feel their own life so that's the way i think that's the way i am okay well i like to thank marvin for coming on this show and giving his name i also like to thank auntie vice for being here i am sharon smith this is iambic poetry podcast and if you like this episode please share subscribe like comment and let us know and we will do more real poetry. All right? You take care. All right? Peace.